Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we're going to be discussing friendship from a Zen Stoic perspective. So, in 2020, one of the tougher events of my year was when I had the falling out with a close friend. Now, this was pretty hard to take, especially because I had known this person for a decade. Him and I had met when I was 19, and for the last few years, he had actually been a coach of mine, somebody who had really helped me when it came to business, when it came to life, and this is a relationship that I really valued. As the pandemic began, I remember him and I were going back and forth in terms of strategizing around business, around certain decisions that I was making. And I remember there there started to become some friction between the two of us. And while I valued him as a coach for previous years, I started getting to a point where I didn't necessarily want to continue coaching with him. There were some misalignments, some strategies that I didn't necessarily feel right about. They weren't necessarily aligned in terms of my vision for my business when it came to Zen Stoic. We had been wrapping up the we had been wrapping up the last round of coaching. And this was actually in my mind a good thing. I thought, you know what? This is like a natural end. We're getting to a point where I feel like it's time for me to take a different direction when it comes to my business, when it comes to my life. Not that I didn't learn anything or didn't get a bunch of value out of working with this particular gentleman, but it was time for a change. It was time for a transition. And as this began to happen, I started to notice that our relationship started getting a little bit more rocky. As, as the distance increased, the communication and the rapport began to dissipate. And out of nowhere, I remember this is around the time where I started turning Zen Stoic around and when I started exiting that hustle culture and I started doing what I believed was right in terms of focusing on what's important in the business and serving the clients in the way that they needed to be served in order to get the business into a different standing. And as I was doing this, I remember he approached me and he wanted to partner up on a venture together. And he had really thought thoroughly about this venture. And when he pitched it to me, I remember it sounded really good, but at the same time, it was not what I was going for. It didn't fall within the realm of what was essential in my business. It didn't fall into a place where it was aligned with the vision of Zen Stoic. Now, while it sounded amazing, there were just some things that I couldn't get on board with. And one of those things is that he wanted to partner with the business and basically be almost an equal partner. He wanted 40% of the business. And it wasn't something I was necessarily in And it was something that I wasn't aligned with. It didn't align with what I believed was essential. It didn't align with my vision professionally. So I remember after he came with this pitch, part of that pitch was, hey, I noticed we're drifting apart from coaching. So instead of doing coaching, let's be business partners. And instead of you paying me for coaching, we'll just go into business together. Now, I remember he had put a lot of effort into this pitch. He basically told me the ins and outs and everything. And it sounded really good. It sounded like an easy way to make a lot of money really quickly. But what I've noticed is that when it comes to life, one thing that Zen has taught me is that expediency and this this attachment to an outcome, in other words, trying to rush things and trying to move in a way that is trying to get you to the outcome faster instead of being in the process and learning in the process and, and finding a way to love and enjoy the process, to embrace it and become present in it, expediency typically leads you to suffering. Expediency and the the need for speed ends up causing more problems than it solves. So instead of speeding away on my path and jumping onto this business deal, I decided to decline the business deal. Now, when I did, the friend and coach that I had didn't exactly take it well. 
And while in the beginning when he was pitching it, there was almost like this bolstering of my ego. Like, hey, you know, you've been doing really good and I think it's time for us to work together in this capacity and you know, saying all the right things to, in essence, butter me up. And I remember all that felt good when he was saying it, but then when I had told him no, that I didn't want to go into this business venture with him, I remember he seemed a bit offended. And what was once bolstering my ego turned into a tonality of you're making a big mistake. And in essence, trying to make me feel bad about not doing this deal. Now, as that began to happen, a few of the other problems and issues that maybe hadn't been spoken about up to that point began to surface. And we ended up you know, having a few arguments and then pretty much stopped speaking from that point. And I remember while we were having these arguments and while we were going through this, a lot of what he was doing was pretty much bringing up how much he had done for me and how big my ego was in that moment for saying no to this business deal and thinking that I could go and do it all on my own and that I didn't need him or that I couldn't learn anything from him. And that was not the case at all. It wasn't that I felt like I couldn't learn anything, but I just knew what my path was in that moment. I had decided on what was essential for me and I knew what was right in that moment and I didn't want to trade that for expediency and I didn't want to trade that for somebody in essence, telling me what I needed to do on my path. And I remember he didn't take it well, led to arguments. Those arguments ended up resulting in us not speaking to each other. And it made me really reflect because this was a person that, again, he wasn't just a friend, but he was a coach of mine. So I really valued his opinion. I was attached to something I couldn't control. I was attached to his validation to me. This is a person I really looked up to, and I really wanted him to like me and, and think that I was great. So I, for a few years, was his yes man. I'll just agree to everything. And in that space, in always agreeing to everything that he would say, most of the time, I realized in retrospect that I didn't actually agree or align with a lot of what he was telling me in terms of business strategy, in terms of beliefs on life, but I was doing it in order to gain his approval. And I realized that when you're in a friendship and you feel pressured to agree to things or you feel like you're not going to be able to be friends with a person if you don't agree with what they're saying, it's not really a friendship what you have there. What you have is you have, in essence, a power dynamic that is taking place. And this power dynamic was coach to student. So I realized a few things, and as I reflected back on this falling out of a friendship, one of the reasons that I think I felt so bad about it and that it hit me really hard is because a lot of it, a lot of the issues, at least in terms of me taking accountability for my end of things, I would outwardly agree to things that I didn't actually feel aligned with inwardly. So I would agree to do things and take actions and follow the strategies that he had suggested, even though I didn't think that they were right or I didn't think that they were aligned with who I was as a person. And I would say yes, and then I wouldn't follow through. And being that I wouldn't follow through, that naturally affected the results that we would have when it came to coaching. We did get some good results, but overall, a lot of it was muddied with this inaction on my part and this agreeing when I didn't actually agree. And this is when one of the lessons that I always talk about with my clients really came up for me, this idea of if you're going to say yes to somebody, be sure that you're saying yes internally first, that you're not saying yes externally and cringing on the inside because that's only going to lead to complications, arguments, 
it's going to lead to a dynamic that becomes very toxic. It's going to lead to a dynamic that's not built on truth and sincerity. So it violates a lot of the Zen Stoic principles. So as I'm going through this situation, I'm reflecting back, I start to realize that there were many moments where my intuition told me to go a different way, to say no to things, to disagree. But I remember, again, I was attached to an outcome. I was attached to a sense of validation, not realizing that there is nobody outside of yourself who can give you that sense of validation. People can blow smoke up your butt all they want and bolster your ego, but no sense of validation is ever going to be enough from another person until you accept it yourself. So I was chasing something that I couldn't get. And as a result, I was living incongruently. I was creating a lot of stress for myself, a lot of undue stress because I was going through this. And one of the quotes that really hit home for me was from the late DMX. And DMX in, in an interview had once said, trust people to be who they are. And number two, trust yourself to see it. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm not going to sit here and try and talk bad about this former coach of mine and friend. But what I am going to say is that I did see who he was from the beginning. I remember the first year working with him professionally I realized after that first year that I probably shouldn't continue, that this is not necessarily the right coaching relationship. While I did value his friendship, that, that part of the relationship or that part of the dynamic wasn't necessarily for me, and I could feel it. It was hard for me to logically explain why, but I felt that there was a misalignment. And what we want to remember, especially when we're thinking about Zen Stoicism, is that our emotions are not necessarily a distraction from doing what's right, but our emotions are actually a compass. They are giving us a signal. And if you don't feel right about something, it doesn't mean that you should just stop and seize everything, but it does mean that you want to explore that feeling and see what it's trying to tell you. Because an unpleasant emotion, like the one that I was feeling after the first year of working together, was an emotion that was telling me like, hey, this is probably not right for you. You haven't been aligned with many of these strategies. You've been butting heads together professionally probably a good idea to salvage the friendship and part ways from a professional standpoint. But I didn't listen. I didn't listen because I was attached to that outcome. I was looking for validation, admiration. I was looking for approval. And this is something that, again, when I think about it, being a professional with the experience that I have as a coach, as a business owner, and thinking to myself as a grown man, wanting the approval and validation of another grown man sounds really silly. And frankly, doesn't necessarily feel that great to talk about. But again, in order to fully understand this story, it's important to understand these are the things that I was feeling. And a lot of us are in dynamics like this, or a lot of us seek the validation and admiration or approval of someone else despite how much experience we have or how old we are, we've all been caught in these types of situations before. And for me, as I talk about this, I realize that there's a lot of lessons, a lot of principles that I violated within myself, that I violated within Zen Stoicism. I knew after the first year that this wasn't the idea. I had seen the type of person and the type of coach that he was, and I knew something within me was saying, this isn't the right one. Yet I proceeded. So instead of listening to my own intuition, trusting myself to see what I was seeing, I instead would make excuses. 
and say, no, it's not like that. It's like this. And eventually it's going to work and eventually it's going to feel right. And I just need to get over myself and get over this belief or this feeling that I have. But that didn't happen. So I didn't necessarily do what DMX was saying in that advice where he said, trust people to be who they are. So part of what that means is that if somebody shows you who they are, if somebody's acting as they genuinely are, believe them. Don't make excuses for them. Because what's happening there is you're not being a student to what is, you're being a student to your ideals. You're being a student to how you want things to be. And you're not responding to what is. When we think from a stoic perspective, we want to respond to reality as it is, not how we think it should be. We can do our best to change things to how we think they should be, but when it comes to people, you're not going to change people. People are going to be who they are. So trust people to be who they are. And secondly, trust yourself to see it. If you see it, if you feel it, it's important that you trust yourself in those moments that you realize that your emotions are trying to tell you something. They're not just coming up as an external force trying to get in your way, but they're trying to give you a message. They're trying to give you a signal. So it's really important to be able to listen to that signal. Now, one of the things that I also learned from this particular relationship is this idea that when you're in a friendship or a business relationship, or in this case, both, there was both a business relationship and a friendship. What's really key to remember is that the boundaries between business and friendship are drawn very clearly because what ends up happening is that you start to have a transactional friendship where maybe one party tries to use business to gain points in friendship. In other words, giving you free stuff to get you to like them better or giving extra to get you to like them better, but not because it's a genuine or sincere giving, or they use friendship to gain points in business. Something maybe doesn't get taken as seriously, or maybe a structure in, let's say, a coaching program, for instance, starts to get done in a cutting corners, haphazardly kind of way. And when you're using friendship to gain points in business or business to gain points in friendships, you start to muddy the waters without drawing those lines of, this is what this agreement is, and in this context, it's this. So if you're ever going to do business with friends, it's important not to necessarily muddy those waters, not to use one to leverage and gain points for the other. This is a really important lesson that I learned because you want to remember that what this starts to do is it starts to create a transactional friendship. And this came back to bite me because this line was never drawn as some of those arguments, there were a lot of things brought up that maybe he said he did for me. And they were brought up and in essence thrown in my face, to put it lightly. Now, when you have a relationship or a friendship where somebody is throwing in your face what they have done for you, what you start to realize is that you have a transactional friendship there or a transactional relationship. In other words, they do these things and they do them with the expectation of a particular outcome. Maybe it's a sense of appreciation from you. Maybe it's a sense of gratitude. Maybe it's they want to hope that you continue doing business with them. And this happens in business, but when it starts to happen in friendship, again, the waters get muddied. When people start to throw things in your face, you realize that, hey, this was not given sincerely. This was given with a motive. This was given with a string attached. 
And oftentimes the person who is claiming that they gave you this and they gave you that and they did this thing for you and they did that thing for you and they're throwing it in your face, that often indicates that, again, you're in a transactional friendship. You're in a transactional dynamic. So this is something to make sure that you be aware of. It reminds me of a Seneca quote that is has always really stuck in my mind because Seneca, in Letters from a Stoic, talks about friendship. And he talks about how true friendship, which does not hope nor fear nor concern for personal advantage, ever sunders. That friendship in which and for which people are ready to die. Something that can never happen when mutual inclination draws two personalities together in a fellowship of desire for all that is honorable. Seneca. So what's really important to keep in mind here is that a true friendship has to do with a mutual inclination of personalities coming together, like Seneca says. In other words, maybe you share a love for something. You share a love for a hobby or for a sports team or something of mutual interest. In other words, there's something that draws you together that there is nothing to gain from. There is no, oh, this I'm going to be friends with this person because they can give me this. It's no, we both like this thing. We're both passionate about this thing. Or we just really, the energy of one another and the vibe that we create together every time we have a conversation. Maybe it's, there's a lot of jokes. Maybe there's some deep conversation, some thought-provoking conversation. And this is why you're drawn to this other person as a friend. So this is really important to remember because when you start to have a transactional friendship or transactional relationship of some kind, brings up that whole idea of the finger pointing to the moon, which we talked about in the previous episode. So the finger pointing at the moon, where this is to be understood in the context of friendship, and just as a reminder, the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. The teaching is not the truth. It is merely a pointing mechanism. So we think about this, if we think about this in the context of friendship, Neither person is the moon. The moon, in the context of friendship, is friendship itself. It is what Seneca was talking about, that mutual inclination of personalities. The fingers pointing at the moon are the two friends involved. What you want to be careful of is that a transactional friendship can result in one person or both people trying to be the moon in the relationship or the friendship, trying to get everything pointed at them, trying to pretend That instead of being the finger pointing at the moon, they are the moon. They are the friendship. And they draw a large amount of significance and ego from this where these things begin to center around them. And that you not appreciating what they have given or what they've, the effort that they've put in is somehow a fault of yours and that you should feel guilty for it. Even though you may not have asked for any of this and instead... What they did is just give from a place of attachment to an ulterior motive. So it's important to be careful of a person drawing attention back to themselves and either victimizing themselves as though you did wrong or putting themselves in a position where they did all the good and none of the bad. Because when a person in a relationship or a friendship tries to be the moon and tries to get you to think of them as the moon, i.e. the whole core of the friendship or the center of attention, what ends up happening is that when things go right in the friendship, or in this case, there was a business relationship and a friendship. So when things go right, it is to their credit. They take the credit for that. So for instance, when I got results in my business, 
via doing coaching, this person took the credit and said, because of me, you did X and you achieved X. However, when I didn't do something right or when I failed, it was, that's your fault. So when a person tries to make themselves the moon in the relationship, what you'll start to notice is that they take credit when things go well, but blame you when things don't go well. Seems convenient. So when you think about this, if a person is trying to be the moon in an interaction, in a friendship, they often fail to take accountability when things go wrong. They have a hard time seeing themselves. Because remember, the whole concept of the finger pointing at the moon is that all things point to the moon, but the moon doesn't point back. So if a person thinks that they are the moon, there is no pointing back at themselves. So what this results in in a friendship is that you'll start to see a person fail to take accountability for their part in anything going wrong and instead cast blame onto you. Now, some of you listening to this may think I'm describing narcissistic behavior, and to some degree it is, right? Failure to take accountability and failure to have any self-awareness in your part in things doesn't serve the friendship as a whole. Instead, it's putting yourself in a position where you're thinking to yourself that I am the moon. I'm drawing all the attention back to myself. Everything that's good is my doing. Everything that's bad is the other person's fault. And this is a really tough place to be in because... It never allows you to reflect on your own character. If you're the one doing it and if you're the one receiving this behavior from someone else, it's a really tough spot to be in because you start to realize that this person sees themselves as somebody who can do no wrong. It's really important to look at things and go, you know what, this is where I messed up. To have that level of objectivity, that sense of ownership is liberating. It creates a sense of closure. I can tell you right now, I don't necessarily agree Obviously, I don't agree. (laughs) Obviously, I don't agree with how this guy handled things. But I can tell you right now, everywhere where I went wrong, in the beginning, I didn't listen to my intuition. I didn't listen to what I was feeling. I agreed out of a desire for validation, admiration, approval. In other words, I I had an ulterior motive in doing that. So that wasn't good either. I wasn't necessarily being sincere with myself or with this person. And I wasn't necessarily being upfront and truthful about how I felt in these situations. I wasn't following through on what I had agreed to because I had made the agreement from a faulty place, from a place where I actually didn't have any intention on following through. Looking at what you did wrong in a situation and taking ownership, again, it's not about self-blame, but it's about saying, hey, this is the part that I played. And when we think about Zen Stoic principles, we must take a sense of responsibility and ownership when things go wrong because if you always blame and cast things outside and say that everything is outside of my control here and this is not my fault, I'm the victim here, you're going to find yourself in a tough place where you fail to focus on the things that you can control and instead you're fixating on the things that you can't control in order to take the position as the victim and in order to have the justification and be able to say, poor me, in this situation. So this is a really important thing to take away. Beware of people who try to make themselves the moon and draw all the attention back to themselves. If you're in a friendship or a relationship where a person has no ability to have accountability for themselves or has no sense of self-awareness or never admits their part in things, this is where you may be having a transactional relationship or friendship. So just be careful of that. It's something that, again, taking accountability and ownership is one of the most liberating things you can do in a situation. It allows you to get through conflicts 
much quicker and more effectively. The, the idea here is self-awareness is not about condemning the other person or taking responsibility is not about condemning yourself. But the thing is, when another person doesn't have the ability to take ownership, to take awareness of their side of things, what they end up doing is instead of looking at themselves and saying, hey, what part did I play in this? So the thing that we need to remember is that when a person fails to take accountability or ownership for their side of things or the part that they played in a conflict or a problem that you might be experiencing, they end up condemning you instead as a defense mechanism, as a way of drawing all the wrongdoing away from themselves and onto you. This reminds me of a quote from Carl Jung that really struck a chord with me the first time I heard it, which is, Condemnation does not liberate, it oppresses. I am the oppressor of the person I condemned, not his friend and fellow sufferer. I do not, in the least, mean to say that we must never pass judgment when we desire to help and improve. But if the doctor wishes to help a human being, he must be able to accept him as he is. And he can do this in reality only when he has already seen and accepted himself as he is. Carl Jung. Now, this is a really important statement because in order to accept yourself as you are, you must first look at where have I gone wrong? What part did I play in this? How can I take ownership of my side of this and how can I express that to the person across from me? Only through the acceptance of your own doing and that which you are responsible of can you begin to accept yourself. And this idea of self-acceptance is not a one and done. This happens in multiple contexts. We strive for this sense of self-awareness, this sense of self-accountability and ownership. But keep in mind that we won't always hit it. But the idea is to do as much as you can towards reflecting on your own character, towards taking accountability of yourself and taking ownership for your role in things. Only then can you begin to accept yourself and only then can you start to fully accept and empathize with the person across from you. When it comes to two friendships, all friendships that are healthy and thriving naturally do this. There is the mutual inclination of personalities towards one another, but there is also a willingness to put the ego aside, to take accountability, to take ownership, and to realize the roles that you and your friend play in conflict and in disagreements and in problems. So keep in mind, in order to accept another person at a deeper level, you must first begin to accept yourself. In order to have deeper, healthier, and thriving friendships, and knowing that the person who's got your back really has your back, it begins with you. It begins with taking a sense of ownership. And the thing that allowed me to get closure on this situation with the friend and I that fell out was thinking about where did I go wrong? Because although hearing the story, it may look like, oh, well, this person maybe was manipulative and trying to do so much and then throw it in your face and blah, blah, blah. If I look at it like that, it doesn't do me any good with how I reconcile with the situation that had transpired. So the way that I choose to look at it is, okay, what part did I play in it? What part did I control that I could have done better? How did it make that person feel when I did that? How can I do that better in the future? And what I came down to goes back to DMX's advice. 
Trust people to be who they are. Trust yourself to see it. You trust yourself to see it by trusting the emotions that come up when you are in an interaction with this person. Beware of transactional friendships. Follow Seneca's advice and go into friendships that are not necessarily value-add or transactional, but go into friendships that have a mutual inclination of personalities, something that you share a love for something or that you have a great chemistry with that person and that you can really have each other's back. And also beware of those who try to make themselves the moon in a relationship or a friendship, those who draw the attention for themselves, that take the credit when things go right, yet blame you when things go wrong. This is key to make sure you do not tolerate, that you don't let this build up because it creates a very muddied dynamic. Be mindful not to use friendship to gain points in business or to use business to gain points in friendship. Make clear boundaries around that. And over and above all else, never condemn your friends. If they're your friends, it is not about condemning them. It is about first accepting yourself, accepting your role and your part in things, which will allow you to more easily accept and empathize with their part in things. If there's a conflict, if there's a problem, always look to yourself first not from a place of self-blame or self-deprecation or groveling, but from a place of taking a sense of ownership for yourself, taking responsibility for your role in things. This brings up another quote from Seneca. The things you should share with your friend are all your worries and deliberations. Regard him as loyal, and you will make him loyal. Some men's fear of being deceived has taught people to deceive them by their suspiciousness. They give them the right to do wrong by them. Seneca. So, remember, the ability to regard your friends as loyal begins with the acceptance of yourself and the responsibility of your role in the friendship. My hope is that this episode was helpful for you, that you learned something. I would love to hear your feedback, your questions about this episode or any of the episodes that we've had this week. This week has been all about how Zen Stoicism and these Zen Stoic lessons help me to move through 2020 despite all the difficulties without losing my center while remaining in a state of inner peace through all of it. And if there's one little thing, one very simple thing that allows you to have inner peace, unshakable inner peace in all moments is the ability to accept yourself fully. Keep in mind, self-acceptance is not a one-time event. It doesn't just happen. It happens consistently. It is an effort we must strive for. It's not a one and done. It's something that in all situations, in all contexts, in all relationships, it is important to look ourselves in the mirror and to be able to take responsibility for all of our side of things. And to accept it fully, not to condemn ourselves, not to condemn others and throw blame onto others as a way of shielding our own self-image and ego. Freedom of yourself and unshakable inner peace begin with you. Strive to accept you consistently in all situations. <laughs>